Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. I want more to feel free and tell them that we love them. I've looked at clear cuts and burnt forest and I've felt outraged. We are the crowning glory of God's creation, and all of nature was made for us. Nature is more productive because of us, not less. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. With anticipation. It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear a message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Freel. The mail is here! Ooh, this is Wretched Radio. Uh, really looking forward to whatever you have to say. Well, pretty much within reason. Any questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, send to idea at wretched.org. And don't forget the beep talk machine. You can text whatever you would like. One eight seven seven two eight two two three three seven. Jimmy, I think the reason I'm kind of amped about today's mailbag, I think I'm just in a better mood the last couple of days. Wow. And I, well, I see. I've been I've been asking myself that question too, because I have to admit, I as much as I don't like to, I think COVID, it just. We were just speed bags, weren't we? Just getting battered about and just, what? No, what? Why can't we? With the mask. All of it. Just, uh, and you got to stay home and you can't go on. You can't talk to people. And then the effects of it, the, the supply lines. How's about building back better in them prices? How's about service? Not everybody who's in the service. There are some great folks in the service industry, but they do tend to be a little bit more sparse these days. And all of those things, I think, can take a toll, even if you have a tendency to be more of a, what was it? Okay, a phlegmatic. Jimmy, do you remember the the four different types of, like, there was, there's phlegmatic personalities, and there's, what, there, there used to be categories about, like, body organs and the, stuff that we produce to describe you're that kind of person so even if you're whatever that descriptor is just put in the word phlegmatic ph as in f ph phlegmatic personality and then then maybe we'll remember because you're looking at the internet the other three types of personalities circumstances can kind of just kind of take a little bit of the wind out of your sails so I'm asking myself the question, why does it feel today like there's a little bit more wind back in my sails? And I'm not entirely sure, but I think it is because of church. We've been gathering on Wednesday nights in the northern suburbs of Atlanta in hopes that a group of people would come together and spend a fair amount of time together to launch a Bible-teaching church with the aim of moving us all from brokenness to wholeness. And I just, I just, it's going to Wednesday night and then hanging out to the wee hours. <laughs> okay, 10 o'clock, which, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty wee hour with other believers uh, talking about spiritual things. I, I, I think it's improved my mood. 
And if that is correct, perhaps, maybe, possibly, that would be an encouragement to you. Please don't neglect fellowship. Please do not neglect assembling together, not just for Sunday morning, but take advantage of Bible study. Start going. If your church still does something that we used to do all the time, Sunday night church, go. I, if, if you maybe are feeling a little phlegmatic, Jimmy, what are the other things? Have you found them? Yeah, I did. It's uh, choleric. Okay, what is, what is choleric? Now, I don't know what they mean. I just found the list okay. of them. Choleric? Uh, choleric, phlegmatic, sanguine. Oh, yeah, yeah. And melancholy. Okay, so the sanguine, I think, would be, you tend to be sanguine, but now you're feeling a touch melancholy. Maybe what, would ail, what ails you could be cured by some good old-fashioned fellowship. Or maybe by sending stuff to idea at wretched.org or 1-877-282-2337. All right, we start with Sherry, who is wondering, Todd, how did the ancient Gentiles receive salvation before Christ? Salvation was for the Jews first, but what was the path for the Gentiles to salvation in Old Testament times? Well, let's remember that God saved not only Jewish people, and we have an entire book that describes that for us. It's called Ruth. That Ruth was a Moabitess, and yet she converted, if you will, from paganism to believing in the God of Naomi. And she, she became a convert to Judaism. And please note, this is... Jimmy, I think I'm going to be preaching about this on Christmas Eve day. In the morning, I think. She's included in the genealogy. Did, did you notice that there's a woman in the genealogy of Jesus Christ? And did you notice that this woman was originally a Moabitess? In other words, she was a pagan. What's the message? God saves everyone. Even in the Old Testament, God saved foreigners. It was always his desire to save foreigners. And the Jewish people, it wasn't just supposed to be that the nation of Israel huddled together celebrating that they alone worshiped Yahweh. No, Exodus 19, God promised, hey, obey these commandments, fulfill these statutes, and I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, that they're going to see your prosperity and seek the God who provided it for you. Why? Because God has always been a savior of everyone. Consider Jonah. There's an, that's an entire book, God saving pagans. How did he do that, though, is the question. And the answer is he saved people the same way. Jew, Gentile. Doesn't make no difference. It was still by having faith in Jesus. You say, wait a second. Jesus wasn't born yet. They had faith in the Christ to come. They didn't understand. it. They had at best a shadowy black and white picture of the Messiah who would redeem them from their sins. That's Matthew 1 again that he would redeem them from their sins by believing in him. The work that he was going to, they believed in what was to come. We have the technicolor reality, don't we? We understand Jesus and we get to read about him and we get to see him in action in the Bible. We get to study his words, but we're saved the same way. The, the Jesus who came, they believed in the Jesus to come. We believe in the Jesus who came and is going to come again. So God always saved people by faith alone in the Messiah alone. Idea at wretched.org. And by the way, 
Um, that that should tell you our God isn't racist. He doesn't see things that way. He recognizes different ethnicities, but in Christ we are one, even though we still have our ethnic differences. And we have now the same attitude that God has about different ethnicities. He, he's not racist. As if that needed stating. Idea at wretched.org. He's not racist, but math is. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> did you did you hear the story? I, well, I just I just thought you did a shibboleth shibboleth thing. <laughs> I don't, you're talking about Matt. It's like, oh, no, no, that's no, not racist. Not, I not work ma- right next to him. <laughs> no, math. Got it. Yeah, math is racist. The, Punctuality is racist. Yep. It went, shouldn't the English language be racist? <laughs> well, seriously. I mean, it should be. I mean, isn't everything apparently now racist? Except for God. And his followers. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this is from Corey, who says, Todd, I have meditated for a few months now, but only have just recently thought about the origins of it and its central use in false religions. If I'm only using it to clear my head, is that okay, or should I be relying on prayer to attempt to think more clearly? Wow. Define meditation. What are you doing? The semantic range of a word, it's just fascinating how we can get confused by accepting other definitions or thinking that we're doing a part of what the word means in a different context. Let me explain that, Ricky. To meditate could simply be to concentrate. To meditate biblically could be to study an aspect of God's character and nature a Bible verse, you're thinking hard on it, you're observing it, you're interpreting it, you're coming up with a principle, you're applying it, you're praying about it. That's meditating. But so too is hum, hum, with your legs crossed, your fingers in a little circle symbol, and you're emptying your brain. That's meditation. So what are you doing? If you're doing the latter where you're attempting to empty your brain, that's a bad idea. Why? Uh, Because there's something demonic about it, honestly. Uh, It's a salvific practice of the Hindu and maybe even some Buddhists. Empty your brain so that you can be connected to the great big nothingness. It opens you up to all kinds of influences. That's not how a Christian should meditate. The former types of meditation, absolutely you should do those things. You should study hard, whether it's math, whether it, you can't study math. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not I, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's racist and so is his. So whatever it is that is still acceptable to study, although studying is probably racist. The point, I feel like the man behind the curtain without an explanation for when, because everything is so flipped upside down. Study. Apply your brain, your gray matter to think hard and think hard on scripture. That's meditation. Uh, Emptying your brain, um, that's the opposite of what we should be doing. Filling our brain with truth. This is Wretched Radio. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms 
of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries, Preborn Ministries, and their network clinics. They are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby in the womb. When you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat, would you please consider supporting Preborn? It's a great ministry of life. It has a high anthropology, shares the gospel with women and with the dads. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. Now, if you're someone who supported our ministry in the past, I want to first of all thank you for your generosity. You may not know this, but your gifts have helped us to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. But know this. We're not done yet. We will continue to stand firm in the gospel and reach even more people all over the world. And we want to do it with you. That's why we're asking you to prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. As you know, we exist to preach the gospel, equip others to preach the gospel, and of course, to strengthen the local church. So would you consider what it might look like in your life if you were to become an ongoing monthly gospel partner? That is only if you're not in debt and you're already giving to your local church. If those things are in order, then please consider joining us. Visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and it said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. That's it. The kid comes, they get treats. They get materials that they learn the Bible. They memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Books of the Bible. The prophet Jeremiah preached judgment and repentance to Judah for more than 40 years. He was mocked, beaten, and imprisoned. But in the end, God's judgment came upon Judah. When you hold fast to the Word of God, you will be heartbroken, mocked, and even persecuted. But let Jeremiah remind you that every word of God will prove true. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Welcome back to Chipper Radio. This is Wretched Radio. Why am I feeling so chipper? I can't help but conclude it is because God is right again. What is good for a Christian when it comes to your mood, to your interpretation of events, how you communicate with others, how you think? And the answer is found in a surprising package called fellowship. 
hanging out with one another, not just watching a football game. That's not fellowship, not Christian fellowship. Fellowship is, hey, tell me, how's your walk? Tell me, what have you been reading in the Bible? Tell me, how has the Lord been working in your life? That's fellowship, and it feeds you, and and it will bolster you. And it will help you to have that peace that surpasses all understanding. If you have been neglecting fellowship, you've been persuaded that online church is church and it's not church at all. And you're maybe even feeling kind of, eh, I haven't been going to church since COVID. And uh, could be a reason for that. You need face to face. You need to be with somebody. What? Speaking of. Jump in, man. Speaking of that. If you have thought online church is church, Dr. Greg Gifford actually covers that subject this week on Transformed. Now, does he bring in the aspect of how good it is for us, what it does for us? Yes, he talks about what real church is and what online church, it's not church. It isn't, just doesn't qualify. Correct. You're watching a show of people doing church, but it ain't participating in church. It's pixels, not people. You're, you're, you're. You can benefit from that in certain contexts. You're a shut-in, traveling, but that ain't no replacement for church. So Greg's talking about that. The Transform podcast mm-hmm. keeps growing and growing. That 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 podcast, I'm telling you, that kid's got some talent, that Greg Gifford. <laughs> He's going places, that fellow. Listen to the Transform podcast. I can't tell you lately when sometimes people will send in a question or, or they're dealing with stuff and they want to confide. More often these days, I'm going, oh, you got to start listening to the Transform podcast. He's just tackling all the stuff, bitterness, communication. Uh, he, he tackled the ghosting of parents where, yep. where the kids just cancel the parents. And, and it was only one episode. I wish he'd do like 10 on that because you got to be you got to be speaking to both parties here because there is a dance that absolutely takes place. When a child becomes an adult, it's just a different dynamic, and it's got to be sorted out. So, Greg, if you're listening, (laughs) do more on that subject because there's a lot of parents that are feeling the blues because their kids just said adios. Encourage you to listen to it also at Transform with Greg Gifford for the church episode because doing church hanging out, being a part of the life of the body, it feeds you. And, and I'm feeling that. I, I, I really can only conclude. I, I'm here. Okay. Todd, we didn't ask. You're, you're not a patient on a couch and we're not psychiatrists. I'm just, I'm just telling you. Increasingly, I'm starting to feel kind of how I like I used to feel before. All the international nonsense and the marriage and the trans and the vaccine and the and the election and ah and I can't help but conclude fellowship will do you good. I, I think it's doing me some good. Idea at wretched.org. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This one is from Seth, who says, Todd, I'm struggling to have a good relationship with my in-laws. They regularly go behind my back to my wife and criticize my decisions Mm -hmm. and how I lead the family. I want to honor them, but I'm hurt that they tear me down to my wife rather than approach me directly with wisdom. 
on how I could improve. This has created tension between me and my wife, and I just don't know what to do so I can honor my in-laws while dealing with this hurtful dynamic. Yep. Let me just speak in general about being a man, if I might. Not this context. So I'm not aiming this at you, sir. But one of the bigger components about being a man is doing hard things. This is a hard thing. Every human, I don't care how confident an individual is, even Donald Trump, when he would say, you're fired, there was something inside of his guts that goes, oh, this sort of confrontation. Oh, I've got to go correct a fellow employee's behavior. Oh, even, even I got to quit my job. Shouldn't be that big of a deal, but don't you feel, it's like, oh, I hate to tell, because it feels, you know, that confrontation thing. Ken Sandy and his book, Peacemaker, identifies that doing those hard things is a necessary component. And I would simply add to it, it's a necessary component of being a man. Is it fun for you to talk to your in-laws? Nope. Is it fraught with peril? Yes, it is. Do you need to do it? Yes, you do. You, we, somebody, who was I? Ah, ah, I got it. I'm talking to a buddy of mine. Oh, some, his story. Whew, did the Lord save him in a dramatic fashion? He used to be a really bad dude, and now he's just like the nicest guy in town, gregarious. And he was, he was talking to a fellow at, a, at an event. And he noticed that a fellow was talking to his wife. It was a fellow from the government. Uh, They're trying to open up a business. So she's talking to this guy, but he's noticing he can read it. He's not speaking to my wife in a respectful way. What did he do? He manned up, walked over, crossed his arms, and just kind of looked at the guy and he, like that. The guy just started to be more polite. Why? Well, he explained it to me. Nobody's going to talk to my wife like that. Now, he didn't have to punch the guy. He just had, he just had to confront him. And he just did it with his physical presence without saying a word. He happens to be kind of intimidating anyway. But that's not the point. That's what men do. We protect our wives. We, we don't. This is, this is why, I got to tell you, when we're out for walks, which is a very common occurrence for us, we'll meet total strangers on the little walkway, and we'll just stop and chat. They got a dog, and I'll pet just about any dog unless it's a poodle, and, and they'll, they'll just, just freely drop the F-bomb, and I just choose to get myself and my wife out of there. I'm really tempted to say, excuse me, ah. Maybe you don't even realize how offensive that word is to some of us. I, I, it's, it's offensive to men, and it should be especially offensive to women. Can you not use those words around me and my wife? Uh, that's about as polite as I can do it so far. I haven't. Instead, we just, let's get out of here. We're, I'm not going to let my wife be assaulted by filthy talk. But that, that's what men do in one way, shape, or form, different manifestations, different settings, etc. You do the hard things. And by the way, that includes even confronting your wife. Ken Sandy says that if you're an individual, by the way, Greg Gifford talked about this in his podcast at the Transform podcast. I remember this. 
Ken Sandy's book, The Peacemaker, you think you're a peacemaker because you avoid conflict. Nope, that's a peace faker. Peacemaker realizes there's a problem, and unless it's addressed, it's not going to get better. It's going to fester, and then it's going to explode at some point. So be one who lovingly, respectfully does the hard thing, including in this instance. Now, back to you, sir. You got to talk to the in-laws. Be Pauline. Hey, in-laws, I am so glad that you're not like so many older parents that just run away to Florida and they, they, they play golf all day and they're never involved with their grandkids. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you can have wisdom that you impart to us. I love being a part of this family. Would like to talk to you, though, about, um, about an issue that, that I think we can improve on, which will do nothing but improve our relationship, because I want the absolute best relationship with my in-laws. Correct me if I'm wrong. Have you said this? Did you say that to my wife? And chances are pretty good. Well, yeah, I did, but in, you know, in the whole context of it. Got it, got it. Well, here's what I'd love. The Bible says that when we have an issue with somebody, even if they're not a believer, don't care. The Bible says you got an issue with somebody, you need to go to that person directly. Would you please go go to me directly? Because look, I, I want to be a good husband and I want I want to treat your daughter well and excellently and make sure that I'm doing a great job as a dad with your grandkids. Could you point those things out to me, please? Now, that was respectful. That was like affirming. It was encouraging. But there was confrontation in there. And sir, I would suggest uh, you should pray up a lot. Make sure that your heart is right. Make sure that you've got specific instances. Because even if they kind of reject all of them, say, okay, well, you know what? Great. I'm glad to hear that. So going forward, please bring it to me because um, without that, my family can't be as healthy as I want it to be. Thank you. This is Wretched Radio. And now it's time for a Wretched News break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, folks in Canada feeling a different kind of chill in the air this winter. Nothing to do with the weather, however. According to a new report, a whopping 14% of Canadians are having trouble heating and cooling their homes amid sky-high energy costs. Yes, it has a little to do with the weather, but not so much. From British Columbia to Newfoundland, everyday folks are just struggling to make ends meet and keep the furnace running. Inflation, though, has driven prices higher and higher and higher than ever before, just like here in America. But have no fear. A fancy climate summit, that's going to fix everything, right? Yeah, it's it's almost like pandering to radicals has some kind of consequences. Who knew? Maybe one day leaders will actually get serious about making life affordable again for all of us instead of bowing down to the climate catastrophe mob. But I wouldn't hold your breath. Meanwhile, down in Malawi, high school students just gave Planned Parenthood the boot. Literally. When reps from Planned Parenthood and radical pro-abortion groups tried to give a presentation at their school, the students rejected it and chased them off campus. Turns out the youth weren't too keen on having Western activists impose their values. And get this, the kids even knelt right there and prayed for their country. It's pretty embarrassing when teenagers are more principled than the powerful nonprofits. 
Well, in the fight to protect kids from radical transgender medicine, the ACLU is living down its reputation. The group just asked the Supreme Court to strike down a Tennessee law that bars experimental transgender procedures on minors. That's right, they want to stop laws that protect children from permanent sterilizing surgeries and drug regimens. Talk about misguided priorities, right? Well, that's everything the ACLU stands for. Misguided. Most folks agree that kids shouldn't make irreversible decisions that leave them infertile and full of regret. But the ACLU claims anything less than full affirmation is illegal. We'll see if the court agrees. Well, Target CEO also made jaw-dropping comments about prioritizing pronoun politics over employee safety. Wonder how that's going to work out for him. He declared that conservatives are upset over Target's trans merchandise and that poses a bigger threat than the 2020 riots that led to looting and to buildings literally burning. But I guess common sense isn't all that common these days among the woke corporate types. Never underestimate the power of virtue signaling, however, on Twitter. I'm sure that keeps his shareholders very happy. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called our Passover. During the first Passover, God spared those whose doors were covered with the blood of a lamb. When we trust in Christ, we are covered by His blood so that we are spared from God's wrath. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Two words, Lou and Priolo. This is Wretched Radio. Hoping you will send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, two means these days, idea at wretched.org, or text it, 877-282-2337. Jimmy, I'm thinking about Lou Priolo. What are you thinking about? Well, communication. Uh, That... it's it's something that is hard for us when it comes to confronting somebody, mm. but it's communication that is so key to peaceful relationships and resolving differences, uh, correcting relationships that are a little off kilter. Communication, and he really bangs on that. He transformed our biblical counseling series. It's hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford. We are actually finishing up. I'm I'm working in the post process right now and scripting some stuff. Dr. Dale Johnson's coming in from ACBC. He's going to do some stand-ups, and then it's going to be ready to go season three next March, I believe, something like that. But then the next year, it's going to be transformed, slap, with a logo, couples. And Dr. Lou Priolo is going to be the counselor where real couples come in with real issues. And he does something that is so fascinating to watch. He insisted, he said, look, if if, if we're going to do this, I I need to have the tools that facilitate communication between a a, a spouse and a spouse that are at odds with one another. I need swivel chairs. So he he would sit in front of them and they would have their chairs forward facing. But then he would regularly say, sir, what I'd like for you to do now is turn to your wife. They turn toward each other so they're not talking. Pa- they're actually talking to each other. And I want you to ask her how it makes her feel when you don't listen to her input. Um, 
So I, I guess there's some times like, should I be talking to you better? No. What I said is, ask her how it makes you feel. You can put it into your own words. How does it make you feel when I don't listen to you? And he literally teaches them how to talk, to communicate, not snarky, clearly, to get to the heart of the issue. Communication is Lou Priolo's thing. And, and I think we can all learn from that. I'll tell you that most of the problems in church are because of bad communication or no communication at all. Bad communication is you're not communicating with the right people. In other words, you're gossiping or you're just not talking. Oh, just go home again. I'm just going to and festers and becomes problem. Just this place driving me people and the pastor and everybody. That's bad. Talk to them. Talk to them. Don't, don't meet with you. Who's the person at church that gets up your nose? That, that, that just really drives you bunk. Why don't you talk to him? And if you, if you aren't willing to communicate, then you got to get over whatever it is that the hurt or the wound or, or the, the sin even is. You've you got to overlook it then and dismiss it and be done with it. If your marriage is rocky, it is almost certain your communication skills are lacking. Ken Sandy's book, Peacemaker, mega helpful. Encourage you to check it out at wretched.org. And while you're at the internet, idea at wretched.org. All right. This one is from Hannah. Todd, uh, you recently said that some people might not see the good results this side of heaven. So can you give an example of how we might see good fruit from bad experiences after death if we love the Lord? Sure. Ecclesiastes comes to mind. Chapter 12, the conclusion of the matter. Uh, I think we're going to talk about this next week. Nevertheless, I was reading an article by Tim Challies about uh, rich people, mega rich people, and how it's their desire to live forever. And, and he's concluded it's because they don't have the integrity that Solomon had. They've amassed all this stuff. It still ain't making them happy. So what do they do? I got to live longer so I can just find some happiness here. Solomon was honest. Vanity, vanity. It's all vanity. It's vapor. And the conclusion of the depressing matter is obey the Lord, because that is what you will take into eternity. I think about 1 Corinthians 3 and 4, that you will be judged not for your sins, but for your works, and you're going to be given rewards. You're, what we do here, the, the bad stuff, the stu even the good stuff that we do with a bad motive, burned up, ain't coming. But the stuff that we did unto the Lord, it's coming with us in heaven. And so you will be rewarded with crowns in eternity for the things that you do here. So if you aren't seeing any sort of fruit, potentially, but you're being faithful to the Lord, you, you, you will not be forgotten in heaven for your faithfulness. You will be rewarded for it. And, and, and you will find a greater satisfaction in hearing Jesus say, well done, well done. You raised those kids. Yep, they, they rejected me. You, you were great as a parent teaching them about me. And that, honestly, is more rewarding than any benefit we experience on this earth. If you're discouraged because 
you ain't feeling the reward here. Don't worry. God is an excellent accountant. And, and not, a, not a deed will be left unrecorded in your book. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this is from Jesse. Todd, I am convinced using the law to expose sin is biblical when evangelizing. But is it unbiblical not to use it? My church's evangelism training doesn't mention the law, judgment, or hell, just presenting brokenness as the problem. Uh, wait, 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 wait. That's a separate thing. That's kind of a second. That's another thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hold on. Okay, so keep going with it. We got law, use of the law. Do we have to use the law? Right, right. And defining the law as brokenness. Right. All right, keep going. She says, what advice can you give on participating in these kinds of evangelism events when the law isn't used? Should I engage anyway or just distance myself from potentially a false gospel? Well, no. uh, Well, (laughs) does that qualify for a false gospel? Um, Yeah, it does. It does. Because God... Fixing our brokenness isn't the gospel. That's an effect of the gospel. So if you're telling people to come to Jesus because he's going to put you back together again, um, that's a, that, that is not the gospel. Now, you can, in the course of an evangelistic encounter, say these are all the things that the gospel brings you, but the gospel is Jesus died for sinners. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be saved. That's the gospel. And when people go about the business of redefining sin, to, to, it's just we're so broken, aren't we? The decisions that we made just cause so much pain. And while that is certainly true, that isn't a biblical understanding of whoopses, mistakes. They're called sins. And yeah, we're broken. The bummer that people have used that without any sort of discretion is that we are broken people. That is a fact. We are. We are. He's putting us back together progressively, but we are broken people. All of us have got stuff. So I, I hate that it's been hijacked, sort of like the word human flourishing. I, I like the word. I just don't like what liberals have done to it. So it's like, ah, can using that word is a little bit problematic. So yeah, we Christians are broken, but that's not our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is that we are enemy of God in our mind through wicked works and his wrath abides upon us. That is what what our big problem is. So if we're evangelizing, then how do we help somebody understand that? Must you use the law? And the answer to that is no. That's, it's, 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 it's not mandated. But I would say to you that the law is the most efficient tool that God provides for us to bring about the knowledge of sin. So you say, well, why wouldn't we want to use the law? I think we should use the law as clearly as we can. But there are other ways of helping somebody understand the exceeding sinfulness of sin. I don't think it's as powerful. I don't think it's as efficient or even as effective. But it can be done if you've ever been convicted during a sermon. For instance, Christian, have you ever felt conviction because Jesus was presented as being so magnificent? Did you, did you, did you ever feel like... Oh, why do I neglect him? Why don't I pray as much as I should? The law wasn't being used, but Jesus was being lifted up so high that you just felt dirty by comparison. So it's, it can be done. It, 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 you can help people understand their sin, but be careful that you, that you don't point their remorse. You want their understanding of their sin uh, not to be a guilt, shame, remorse sort of response, 
You want them to respond in repentance, that, that contrite sorrow that leads to repentance. And I think the law is the best way to do that. So now your group of church is going out. I would encourage you, teach them about this. Use some of our stuff. Uh, use Terrified too. It's a great resource about the use of the law and evangelism. Of course, Ray, Living Waters, they've got great stuff. Have, some, have your pastor listen to Hell's Best Kept Secret and say, Pastor, whoa, I thought this sermon was really challenging. Would you listen to it and tell me your thoughts on it? And if they conclude, no, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep doing the, the circle gospel or whatever. Doesn't mean you have to. You can join the group. Go out. Use the law to make sense of the gospel. This is Wretched Radio. If you happen to be staring down the health insurance barrel and you are groaning because you're going to have to figure out what do we do? Can we change? What do we get in November when it's open enrollment month? That barrel can be removed because every day is enrollment day at MediShare. Would you please call them if you're dealing with the health insurance blues? <laughs> please Take two minutes out of your day and give them a call at 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE. If you're not familiar with MediShare, it's affordable biblical health sharing. Average family saves $500 per month. Average. Their ratings, high, teledocs. Please check out MediShare by calling them, finding out how much your family will save. Or you can visit MediShare.com slash wretched, MediShare.com slash wretched, where every day is enrollment day at MediShare. All right, well, buckle up, get ready. Road Trip to Truth Season 4 is back. Host John Fabara is also back this year. But what's different this year is he has a traveling companion. Our buddy Jake Ream is joining him on the Road Trip to Truth for Season 4. And this is not going to be your typical grandma's Bible study. No, 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 no. If any of our other seasons are any indication, you know exactly what you're in store for. Hard-hitting questions, controversial topics, and a heaping dose of biblical truth. Sin, death, atheism, racism, critical race theory, you name it, they're going to cover it this season, and they're not going to pull any punches while they're doing it. Get ready, because they're going to tackle the toughest issues facing Christians today from a solid biblical perspective. Road Trip to Truth Season 4, available for purchase now at wretched.org slash four. That's wretched.org slash F-O-U-R. So you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally? Well then, we'll let Paul Washer convince you. You have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he will still be supervised. Would you please join TMAI, the Master's Academy International, in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry, and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. Hermeneutics. 
A vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in Scripture is gospel. The gospels are four complementary narrative accounts of the same story from a different perspective with a different emphasis. God delivers His timeless truth through a multitude of witnesses. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh man, this is Wretched Radio. Please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks. Yep, email ID at wretched.org or 1-877-282-2337. Oh, Jimmy, uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm talking like the way my hair looks. I'm looking at myself in the thing here that we use so that we can see each other during yeah. the broadcast. Yeah, it's got a webcam. I got I got Elvis hair from '77 going on. You, you've got that every day, Todd. Oh, <laughs> you just don't look at yourself this often. Do you? Do you? Do you? <laughs> do you it's scary looking in that mirror. Do you think that that we're all we're all vulnerable to that? To what? Well, something that you watch or that you look at, you just start to adopt it into your own, like how you dress, how you walk, how you comport yourself. We mimic people. I'm I sure. Think. Yeah. Oh, apparently, man, I, I listened to Live from Madison Square Garden just a few hundred too many times. one 282 uh, I consider myself to be a lot like Paul. I follow him as he follows Christ. Is that, wow. that kind of what you're talking about? Wow. <laughs> I didn't realize I was in the presence of such an intense <laughs> sanctification. You're better than me. You're welcome. <laughs> this is, I don't know how to transition, but this is from Mark. He, he texted in and said, Todd, for some time now, I've felt what seems to be a calling to preach. I have a very sinful past, including fornication. I've repented of this and I know God has forgiven me, but does that take the opportunity away as part of a consequence for my actions? Um, it depends, I think, well, uh, to a degree. I think it needs to be considered when those big whoppers were committed. Uh, it, I think if, if, if you would say they happened before you were saved, yeah, yeah, join the club. We've all got a laundry list. Consider, Jimmy, what was the name of the guy that you're following as he follows Christ? Uh, Paul. Right, Paul was a murderer. Why did God save him? So that you could know you can be saved too. The chief of sinners was an example. If God will save Paul, he'll save any the worst of the worst. And it did not disqualify Paul from being an apostle and a disciple of Jesus Christ, even with his past, because he could rightly say, that was before I met Jesus. Now, what about if, if you committed a big whopper after you were saved? Um, it should probably be explored. I, I wouldn't say that it's an automatic disqualifier, but it could be based on what it is, based on the general knowledge of it, based on how long ago it was. But I don't know that that would be a forever disqualifier, but it could, could there could have been something. So it needs to be explored, so whatever those things were. Having said that, I think we all need to remember this. And, and I don't think that this should encourage us to start becoming those blah, blah, blah. Oh, let me tell you about my nasty sins and going into detail. Oh, I, I really do. Then I did this. No, but the more we're willing to disclose how bad of a sinner we were and still are, what does that do for Jesus? 
And the answer is it makes him look like a magnificent savior. The dirtier you are, the better he looks. The more sinful that you were, the greater a savior he is. So we want to be careful that we don't become those 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 sin dumpers where we almost wear it as a badge. I I, I think that there's there's a danger. Uh, there, there's there's a danger. I'll just leave it at that. In in having your Christianity defined by your past life, you're a you're a believer, and God forgave you of that. Uh, he he's changed you from that to this. Um, but to use it as your moniker, I'd I'd, I'd be a, a little inclined to avoid that. But having said that, if it's appropriate, and if it is somehow, uh, almost. I've heard some testimonies where it's like, you know, and then the crack preceded the heroin, and I was doing it like between my toes, all of them, like five times a day. And it almost, it almost sometimes feels like a brag confession. If we can avoid that, the more we can appropriately disclose what we were compared to what Jesus has made us, and then point to the one who performed that good work, ah, then dude, you could be an outstanding pastor. And it might even be what makes you a tenderized pastor, a sympathetic pastor, a caring pastor, a pastor who's willing to warn. I know, I know the effects of that sin. Don't do it, friend. Don't do it. For For the sake of the Lord, don't do it. And I'm telling you, for the sake of the consequences, you don't want it. So can your past disqualify you from ministry? I suppose there could, you know, you may have all those aforementioned considerations, but it could also be used as a magnificent testimony that we have got one amazing Savior. one 282 right, this one is from Anonymous. Uh, Todd, I married a Christian man, but over the last nine years, I have not seen much fruit that shows his desire to live for the Lord. My worst fear is that he was not fully saved, though he thinks he is. How do I respond to this delicate matter as a believing wife, and how do I approach our church leadership without undermining my husband? My desire is just for him to be saved. Yeah. I, 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 would, I would encourage you to consider at least two big issues. Number one, you don't know for sure. Okay, you you just we we just don't we just don't know because if he's saying no, I actually am a believer. I don't know what's going on in his heart and his head. I, I I don't know what he might be doing to feed himself that you're not seeing. So just to exercise, don't make a definitive declaration necessarily. There can be times where it's like, well, this is pretty obvious here. Maybe that's your situation, but it would be a consideration. Second is, quite honestly, madam, you really answered your own question. Everything that you said is right. You want to go to the elders. That's right. You want to make sure you say, so your motivation is right. So that your process is right. You've got your procedural manual. It is working great. Your systems are in place. Your heart is right. Your attitude is right. So go to them with that heart and say, "Ah, I fear I want to be wrong, but there's some evidence that he's maybe a false convert. Can you help me with my husband? And and I think that 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 is the best thing that you can do. Furthermore, 
Give him stuff. You know him better than anybody. Give him stuff that he might. It's one of the best ways that you can help a family member out of a false system. If you've got a Roman Catholic friend to go, well, let me tell you about the bloody history of the papacy. You want to talk about debauchery? Whoa, crown of the game of thrones, throne of throne of the game room. What was that horrible series that too many Christians? Game of Thrones. Whoa, you think that was salacious? Let me tell you about the Pope. Probably not gonna bring them out of the system. What could you give them that talks about justification and imputed righteousness and grace alone? Hey, would you please listen? I would love to hear your Roman Catholic perspective on it. Would you listen to this? That is a great way to bring friends and family along without it being a smackdown. Maybe you could do that with your husband too and pray like a nobody's business. 1-877-282-2337. And well done, madam. You, you, you got your ducks in a row. This one is from uh, Kyle. Todd, should we use Christ or should we as Christians mock and demean Satan and his demons, <laughs> or have a respect for them? No. <laughs> he said, "I hear many Christians call Satan Lucy to, uh, okay. to demean him and mock him. They also seem to have a laid back attitude toward him. While we serve Christ alone, and Satan is a defeated enemy, are we supposed to show that type of attitude toward him?" Well, R E S B E C T, meaning a deference or an honoring. No, he's nasty, and respect with in that form is not owed or due or even appropriate. Now, having said that, should does that mean you can become kind of cheeky? That would be foolish. Even the archangel Michael, in a tussle with the devil, doesn't talk like that. You, you don't want to either. He is still an enemy. He's defeated, but he's stronger than you. He is way nastier. He's more clever than you are. Uh, don't don't become casual with the devil, but certainly don't honor him either. But be aware, he ain't somebody to be trifled with. One eight seven seven two eight two two three three seven. What? Uh, nothing. Nothing. There nothing. is fifty seconds left, dude. Okay. All right. Well, what are your thoughts? This is from anonymous. Well, I'm glad you asked. Well, I gotta make up time here. <laughs> That's right. What are your thoughts on teenagers drawing or doodling during the service? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta ask them. You, you you do. You have to ask them, and you need to be a little pastoral. Uh, could it be? Would I be quick to go, hey, knock it off? I don't think that I would. I'd probably wait until afterwards in a context for communication. Hey, help me understand. Why do you, why do you doodle? What, what's going on? You might hear something like, it just helps me concentrate. It just, I'm not looking around and I'm just looking at this. It's kind of mindless, but it helps me to hear the sermon. Oh, okay. So don't, don't judge in advance. Ask a lot of questions and then encourage to enjoy the word more than doodling. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.